Before we get to this special holiday presentation of Karen Kingsbury's The Bridge, part one and two, starring Wyatt Nash, let me take a moment and thank our sponsors. Those are friends over at Uncle Bud's. Hit the jingle. Make it a hemp healthy day. The Uncle Bud's way. It works. Yeah, that's right. Hemp oil is all the buzz right now, but not the buzz that you're thinking. If you've got pain, sore muscles, dry skin well uncle bud's hemp has a natural solution for you uncle bud's brings the miracle of hemp oil to life with a natural collection of hemp infused pain relief skin care and personal care products uncle bud's has officially made hemp oil affordable and accessible to everyone just head on over to walmart or gnc and look for the giant hemp leaf in the natural section you're gonna find uncle bud's assortment of hemp healthy products Add Uncle Bud's products to your daily routine. Just go to www.unclebudshemp.com to find a local Walmart or GNC store near you and learn more about the benefits and the uses of hemp oil. And as an added bonus that we've got a special giveaway, we're going to give away product at random to 30 of our listeners who already love Uncle Bud's hemp or plan on buying Uncle Bud's hemp products. How do you enter? Just send a photo with the product or a one-liner on Twitter telling why you love the product. Use the hashtag UncleBuds to be eligible for the free product. Make it a hemp healthy day. The UncleBuds way. It works. Hey everybody, what's going on? Rob Cesarino here, and we have got some bonus holiday coverage here today on the podcast. This is something that is a little bit out of left field, but I think that all of the best surprises in the holiday season often are the ones that you never see coming. For a couple of years, I was talking about holiday movies around this time of year, and of course, uh, we have some other stuff lined up for you for the holiday season, but we are going to uh, stop down today and talk about a uh, two-part Hallmark holiday film today with a, a longtime friend, and those are the best people to talk to around this time of year. And so I will welcome back to the podcast, and it's actually been five years since we last spoke on the podcast, from WWE Digital, my good friend Ryan Popola. Ryan, how are you? Hey, Bobby. How's it going? Merry Christmas. Merry, Happy holidays. Yeah, very nice to uh, chat with you here today about a passion project of yours, a yes. two-part Hallmark <laughs> holiday film. We're going to be talking about Karen Kingsbury's The Bridge, part one and two. And two. Both of them. Part both one parts. and two. And yes. And, and why was it this two-part film that you had for over a year had wanted to talk about here with me on the podcast? Well, listen, I would love to talk about any Hallmark film with anyone at any point. However, I feel like this was right for you and I because it stars one Matt Elrod, now Wyatt Nash of Survivor Redemption Island fame. And it just seemed like a natural fit. Yes. Matt Elrod, who was a big fan favorite, was the in the relationship with uh, Andrea 1.0, got voted out, sent to Redemption Island, is on Redemption Island. The, the he gets back into the show. Boston Rob votes him out at the merge. Back to Redemption Island. Spends the, almost the whole game on Redemption Island. Uh, crazy to imagine that we would learn so much about a character that would be on Redemption Island the whole time in the Survivor season, but sometimes past his prologue. And so Wyatt Nash uh, is now the name of Matt Elrod. He changed his name after Survivor. 
has become an actor. He this is his starring role here in Karen Kingsbury The Bridge part 1 and 2, two part movie. It seemingly one part was released in 2015. People had to wait a whole year to find out how things were going to work out for Ryan and Molly, but we have the Not whole me. yes, we have yeah. the whole the whole thing. I've watched all 3 hours of this film. <laughs> you you own the DVD of this. Well, I think you technically do too, but it was only for the purposes of this. But uh, yes, I, I bought it for pleasure. Um, yeah, all these Hallmark films, uh, I enjoy them. And I'm also the first to tell you that most of them are just absolutely absurd and hit every single cliche beat that you expect them to hit. But uh, I like them and I, I don't apologize for it, quite frankly. Yes. Okay. So tell me, how did you, a, uh, you know, a, a, a young man, how, how have you become so engrossed in the Hallmark holiday films? I think I've always loved Christmas specials. I think you and I have talked about them off air quite often. Like, you know, all your classics, everything from I Love Lucy to the Flintstones and all that good stuff. Um, just this week, I've watched seven Family Matters Christmas episodes. Um, and There's like, that I, many? Oh, they had nine seasons of Family Matters. Yeah, I can't believe they took two years off is my bigger thing there. Uh, but I think from around age 10, 11, uh, ABC Family started doing a lot of Christmas films, and really, when you think about it, like Christmas made-for-TV Christmas movies are the only made-for-TV movies that really exist anymore, and Hallmark's just taken it into a different stratosphere. I think they've made approximately, and not joking, this is not hyperbolic, 37 new ones this year alone. Okay. And they bring in, like, as I'm sure people know, they bring in the Candace Cameron Berets and uh, the Danica McKellars, and as a 90s geek like me, I, I just, I, that element's cool, and then I do just find them absurdly fun, and some of them absurdly horrible. Yes, and they go wall to wall starting from what November first. That, that oh means- no, like October nineteenth or October nineteenth. So. Like, okay, not, yeah, like the pre November one, absolutely. And and they just run on loop. I'm not sure if Karen Kingsbury, The Bridge Part One or Part Two, is coming up on an upcoming airing. I watched it on Amazon Prime. I bought the the two movies uh standard <laughs> definition it was 699 so i'm in for 699 on karen kingsbury the bridge part 1 and part 2 we will be spoiling the film i think that it will not be necessary for you to have seen the film to enjoy Unlikely. what we're talking about because we will talk about sort of this film as sort of a representation of all Hallmark holiday films what this film has going on that's different from maybe what ryan has seen in other Hallmark holiday films. Uh, there are sort of pirated versions, which we don't recommend you watch that are available yeah. on YouTube as well. Just we don't, we're not even telling you, don't even look at those. Don't even look at those. Not Just, worth your time. Not, yeah. not worth your, not worth your time, but uh, they are, they are out there. All right, Ryan. Yes. So, my friend. Tell, before we get into Hallmark uh, holiday films. So, Let's just talk briefly a little bit about you and uh, what you've been up to that you and I have been longtime friends for yes. going on what? Uh, Over a decade. Yes. Over a decade. No, uh, that at least since what, 2005, 2006? I was a sophomore in high school, so we'll say 2006. Okay. And now you have really uh, had a, uh, a, a meteoric rise in, in your <laughs> career. So could you tell the Great listeners guy. about what what you are up to these days. Sure, I'll make it brief. Uh, I uh, graduated college in 2015. I was very fortunate enough to 10 days later get hired by World Wrestling Entertainment as a uh, writer for the website, doing a bunch of different things, interviewing superstars, uh, writing results for shows such as SmackDown, stuff like that. 
Uh, just a lot of stuff. And, uh, and that's been great. It's going on three and a half years now. And uh, just recently this year, I've also started slowly transitioning into uh, a bit of an on-air role for WWE Digital. I, uh, I'm a co-host uh, in a rotation on a show called WWE Now, which is typically hosted by the great Kathy Kelly. Uh, and on that show, I uh, deliver news and talk about you know news of the week, things like that. It's been really fun, really cool, uh, and all good. And that's about it. And so really impressed with everything that you've done. And uh, it's you know you used to come on the podcast, and you were, what, a college student? And now... Look at you. You've uh, gone on to do uh, amazing things. And Robert's podcast has been a, a small stepping stone in your career. Uh, I'm just happy to be a small part of a big deal when it comes to the RHAP. Of it. <laughs> right. no, thanks, pal. Yeah. I appreciate it. Well, I'm really glad that we were able to work this out and figure out a time to do this because I know it was one of those things that we had been talking about for a long time. And I wasn't sure when we were going to be able to fit it in. But somehow... I was able to get through the three hours that are Karen Kingsbury, this is the bridge, uh, part one and two. Have you read the novel uh, that this book was based on? I have not read the novel, nor will or I this ever movie read the novel. Was based on. I have not read the novel, nor will I ever read it. However, I kid you not, uh, I am looking at it right now. I, I bought it simply as a decoration. On my coffee table, I have uh, a bunch of Christmas-related books, including uh, JCPenney Christmas catalogs from 1992-1998. Uh, and so I have Karen's Kingsbury's The Bridge on my coffee table Wait, right you now. You collect JCPenney's catalogs? Oh, well, they don't exist any longer, but uh, two years ago, I kind of just splurged on eBay. I bought about five years worth, uh, you know, just to simply have. And I, let me tell Why? you, there is no, it, they're amazing. There's no nostalgia trip like JCPenney Christmas catalogs. Okay. Uh, I, I, seven bucks will be what, that unlike pirated Hallmark films will be well worth your time. Yes. I recommend. Uh, before we get to Karen Kingsbury, were you impressed with the mayor of Slamtown on his uh, recent uh, Survivor stint? Yeah, very much so. I actually think he came off as super affable. Uh, and I think uh, knowing Jeff Probst, the little I do that, the mayor of Slantown is like guaranteed to come back. OK. Uh, would you agree with that? Yeah. So you think that there will be a Karen Kingsbury's The Bridge Part 2 in part his two future? For, for Johnny Morrison. Yes, absolutely. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I thought he handled his uh, his vote off well. And uh, I was just thoroughly impressed. Uh, I've never met the guy. I never spoke to him. But I think he came out very well. And I look forward to seeing him again. OK. All right. So just to give the quick uh, over like a uh, elevator pitch of what Karen Kingsbury, the bridge is all about. Uh, we have uh, a man and a woman uh, played by a TV legend, uh, Ted McGinley and yeah. Faith Ford. Uh, do, now, are, are you familiar with the works of Ted McGinley at all? I was a I was a married with children guy. I still am. So yeah, I mean I, I know who he is. Yes. Were you a Steve guy or a Jefferson guy? Uh Steve, myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh Ted McGinley also very famous for having a category of jump the shark devoted to him. Uh but I would not say that the Hallmark Hall of Fame films uh jump the shark with the arrival of Ted McGinley here, right? I would no, absolutely not. Yeah. Did you know about that? The Ted McGinley involvement no, with Jump I'm the Shark? I'm curious about it, quite frankly, but that feels like it might be a different show. Yeah, I think Jump the Shark uh, has jumped the shark uh, a very long time ago, but th that is a category of when Ted McGinley <laughs> shows up on a series, that is when it jumps the shark. Fair enough. This does not, I, these films do not jump the shark, in my humble opinion. Yeah, and Faith Ford, who uh, was best known for being part of both uh, the original Murphy Brown and then the Murphy Brown uh, reboot. Also, it's going to be canceled, Murphy Brown. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. 
Uh, she also uh, was part of Hope and Faith with uh, Kelly Ripa. Wait, was did she play Faith? I do think she was Faith, and Faith was a very important part of this film. I'm not sure. You know, do they do that type of thing where they take people from like 90s or 2000 shows and then reboot them here and then have like little winks uh, to the audience because of that? Uh, Lifetime does that more like Lifetime these last couple of years has like reunited like Carl and Harriet from Family Matters. Right. Uh, they did a big One Tree Hill reunion. Hallmark brings in the 90s uh, icons, but uh, Wes elbow elbow wink wink once they get them in the door. Yeah. Now. Ironically, Faith Ford uh, played Hope on Hope and Faith, uh, but her oh. name is literally Faith. So that, this, that could is, also be this seems a bit confusing. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Also, uh, didn't know this. Ted McGinley, 73 episodes of uh, Hope and Faith. So. Uh, that, oh, also, well, I, I rescind. Hallmark also does it. Uh, they also bring in the. Wow, that's crazy. So they. Yeah, they do some reunions, I guess, here. All right. So. That they are the they are sort of like the big name ticket items. Uh, Faith Ford and Ted McGinley. They are a couple who uh, is are you know they're sort of I guess they must be like time travelers because they are shown in 1997 in the cold open and uh, they meet. They are they have a baby on the way. Very sadly, uh, Faith Ford's character loses the baby, but from this loss they pivot and they pivot to doing some sort of a, a good charitable thing for the world or, or, or making a positive difference in the world. They open up a bookstore and the yep. bookstore is the titular, the bridge and the bridge will help people bridge from uh, pain to positive things in their life. Lead to the promise of tomorrow. Rob, have you ever used a bookstore to lead you to the promise of tomorrow? I have not. The bookstore is, is huge. Uh, the bookstore is going to it's mean a, a, a lot it's of things. House. Yeah, it's a house that they've sort of turned into a bookstore, and that is going to make such a big difference in the lives of everybody in this community. It is not Slamtown. That is not where they yeah. live. Different things. Yes, yes. The, the, they will make a bridge from the pain of the past to a vision of tomorrow. And that, and that is really where then most of the action in part one of the movie takes place in... 2009 and then all of the action in part two of the movie then takes place uh there are two time jumps that happen here one time jump from 1997 to 2009 and then a second time jump from 2009 to 2016 no one ages in any time jump no it's like season four of lost but less believable yes the only difference is that uh, Matt Elrod or Wyatt Nash has stubble in 2016 that he does yeah. not have in 2009. Do you think they halted production for a week and a half so he could grow the stubble out? <laughs> I'm not even sure if it was a week and a half. It's about basically like five days of beard growth <laughs> yeah. take place in between a 2009 timeline to 2016 timeline. Otherwise, I mean, there, there is no aging that happens between... Ted McGinley and Faith Ford from 1997 to 2016 2016. or 2017 is actually a a final time jump from 2016 to 2017 at the end of the second film. Yeah, which is exciting because that means we're only one year late with this podcast instead of two. So that's good. That helps us. (laughs) Yes. Um, But yeah, they do not they do not age in the slightest bit. Okay, And it's also it's like prosthetics. It's like that was feasible. Like they could have looked a little different, but neither here nor there. Okay, so before we do a deep dive into the actual film itself, 
Ryan, could you just uh, sum up for us a little bit in terms of like, what are some of the elements of every single Hallmark holiday film? Sure. Uh, quickly, there's two variations. This, there's the Hallmark Channel films, and then there's Hallmark Movies and Mysteries. The bridges were Hallmark Movies and Mysteries, which tend to be, as we'll dive into, a little more serious, a little more uh, gravitas. Uh, still the Christmas feels, but a little less on that, a little more just on kind of like real life. You kind of get into religious undertones a bit. Whereas the Hallmark Channel films are, that's when you get your Candace Cameron berets and your Lacey Chabert's. And uh, you will never see one without uh, a nine-year-old boy decorating cookies with a nanny he just met. Uh, or, a, you know, a Christmas song being sung in front of, you know, uh, townspeople uh, at, a, at a fair. And uh, at the end, you know, two good looking people are going to fall in love. Uh, right. And that's like, yeah, that's and which granted. You still get a lot of those elements here. Uh, but uh, Hallmark Channel films are pure cheese, whereas uh, Hallmark movies and mysteries uh, are much more serious affairs. Yeah. Now, was the actual book, did it have anything to do with the holidays or Christmas? Because I could see that maybe the original story, the book, having nothing to do with any of these elements and them just sort of like tacking on a layer of Christmas and the holidays to this story. Sure, because I think it is worth noting that uh, the bridge is akin to Die Hard, where they take place during Christmas, but there isn't much Christmas to them. Uh, did you think I'd compare the bridge to Die Hard? Five <laughs> no. Then? So, uh, yeah. So, but I think that then if, if the bridge is a holiday movie, so then I, I would have to say that the corollary would also be true. Yes, absolutely. So, uh, and both are Christmas films in my humble opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as, as I said, I've never read the book, but I, if I had to guess, I think it does take place during Christmas of only going off of the cover, which I'm currently looking at, which features a Christmas tree. Um, but, uh, I honestly genuinely cannot tell you because I've never read a single word. Are you sure you're not reading a novelization of the movie? No, no, no. Such a thing doesn't exist. There are novelizations of Hallmark Christmas films, but The Bridge is not one of them. I'm looking at the uh, New York Times uh, bestseller of the uh, Karen Kingsbury's book uh, is the uh, heartwarming modern-day classic of an unforgettable love story set against the struggle of an American bookstore. And and that's very important here, uh, the irony of this being uh, based on a book that the true villain of the entire opus happens to be the war on bookstores. A war on bookstores that I didn't know existed. Specifically, uh, I, I think that without being called out by name, Amazon.com. Amazon.com. But also there's a moment in the second part, not to jump ahead. It's definitely Amazon. But at one point, uh, Faith Ford is talking to one of the many like side characters, none of which are important. Um, and she, you know, they say, how'd you meet Ted McGinley? And she goes, oh, well, we met at a bookstore. And the person's like, was it the bridge? Like, a store like the bridge? And she goes, no, it was the opposite kind of bookstore from the bridge. <laughs> yeah, what so, does that mean? Yes. Yeah, so like, you what, feel what? like that the, the, the bridge is fighting a, a two front battle here between one, like sort of like the Barnes and Noble type big warehouse bookstore. And then also another second front against the Amazons of the world of the digital bookstore. Yeah, I think Faith Ford and Ted McGidley uh, hate with a passion Barnes & Noble. I think their nemesis is Amazon. But real quick, like, uh, I like Barnes & Noble. Have you ever been at Barnes & Noble and thought that, like, you were, like, uh, attributing to the commercialization of, like, America or Christmas? Because I don't. 
Yeah, so it seems like that they're the, on the one front they are like the, uh, the the poster child of the local bookstore slash house, which has a bunch of stuff, yeah. and then also coffee, and they're constantly making muffins and 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 baked goods, Cupcakes. and they're having concerts yeah. and stuff like that in the local friendly neighborhood bookstore. But then they're also being put out of business by the big corporate bookstore, and then also the amazon.com and so a big part of the story happens to deal with uh this big corporate conglomerate based in seattle which i have to think is also not a coincidence no that's very intentional and yeah that's of for the purposes of our film directly that's where uh the only real human villa villain relies uh as uh is seattle yes anything else in terms of the overall uh, industry of hallmark hall of fame holiday films i don't think so i enjoy them for what they are and typically if out of the 30 like so for example out of the 37 they made this year or make this year i will probably watch seven or eight of them in completion about seven or eight of them halfway through and then some of them like you know it's they are fun dumb mindless flicks and uh, I do recommend everyone give them a try. You probably, you know, will hate them five minutes in. But like, you know, there's much worse uh, to fill background noise with than a Hallmark Christmas. Book in my opinion. So let's talk through uh, the storyline set here. Uh, I guess we'll pick things up in Seattle 2009. We meet our two main characters, Molly and Ryan. Uh, before we get to uh, Wyatt Nash's Ryan, uh, can you tell us a little bit about Molly? By far the best actor in the film. Uh, and just, uh, you know, her dad is uh, a very successful CEO of a media company. We never really find out what that media company really does, just media. Uh, but uh, Molly, her dad, her mother tragically passed away when she was young. It's just been her and her dad. Her dad is extremely overprotective. He becomes a supervillain by the end of this film, in my opinion. Yeah, he's like uh, an evil Dean Kane, the dad. Yeah, yeah well, that's actually really well put. Dean Kane, a veteran of Hallmark Christmas films. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that guy he might have been busy. Been he could have had this yeah, part exactly. if he wanted it. This was an 11th hour recasting job, yes. Um, but uh, Molly's got a heart of gold. Uh, an undeniably great giggle and uh, is going to Tennessee for college straight out of high school. Uh, As she and Wyatt Nash will say about 30 times in part one, they have to step out of their comfort zone. Uh, And uh, we like Molly instantly. If you watch these films and don't like Molly, I I just think you are Ebenezer. Yeah, she's she's very good. Uh, She has a best friend uh, named Ronnie who seems to be all-knowing. Yes, very, very omnipotent. Uh, Who who also seems just to be willing to drop everything to pick her up and drive her back to the airport numerous times in the film. Kind of like me and you. We would do that for one another. <laughs> sure. Sure. Uh, are you the all knowing person or am I? I think, I think, I think that's you for me. Okay. Uh, you know, yes. Yes. Okay. So anytime you need a ride to or from the airport and then uh, you're like, oh, I don't know what to do with my life. I'm like, oh, listen, you already have the answers. You already know. You already know what you want to do. You really want to be working for, you know, being the CEO of Amazon.com at 25. Does that sound like a good job? Yes. No, no, that is not, <laughs> that is not what she uh, is, is meant to oh, do. Oh, my bad. Okay. I didn't mean, I'm sorry. I messed that up. Sorry. So she's going to go to a school in the South. Is this a unnamed university or it's a, a I don't think we ever get the name of the school. I we think get... it's, 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 it's referred to at some point. 
Possibly. The town is Franklin, Tennessee. We get, we hear Franklin early and often, but I don't know if we ever get the name. Franklin, Tennessee, uh, not a real school that she is going to, but she's going there. This, this random school in Tennessee, I mean, that she has basically unlimited resources, could attend any university that she would want to. Yeah. But she's, she's picked this, she's thrown a dart at the map and yeah. she's hit this school in Franklin, Tennessee. Because uh, she needs to get out of her dad's shadow. Yes. Yeah, no real exposition is given as to how she arrived at Franklin. I think that's a movie in and of itself. Mm -hmm. Uh, But, uh, yeah, that's where she lands. There's also some sort of an arranged marriage going on here as well, where there's a guy named Preston who uh, I have to say that uh, I have the most sympathy for him because uh, this guy really just gets uh, led astray completely. That he is, uh, I don't know if he's romantically interested in Molly or not, but he certainly has intentions of working for the dad's company. He's, he's never shown to really have any sort of negative trait. He's not mean to Molly at any point, or no. like uh, he's never shown to be like talking to his friends like, hey, uh, I got to put up with this horrible Molly, but soon I'll be running Amazon.com. You know, he, he, he never is he, like he's a, he's a kiss ass. Certainly not as handsome as Wyatt Nash. Seems, not even close. you know, very yeah. wrapped up in the company. But this guy basically from 2009 to 2016 is sold a bill of goods that he is in a relationship with Molly and is going to be engaged. And then. Soon will the two of them be running this Amazon company. Yes. I mean, I think Preston's only real fault is that he's a bit of a boob. But like, you know, he's like a nice guy. He's just a bit of a boob. Yeah. Yeah. And very wrapped up in the company and definitely, you know, dad's pick, but not her pick for romantic interest. But not even so wrapped up in the company that he does. He seems to be do very good by Molly. uh, Seems like a very nice young man. He's bringing Chinese food. Yeah. I mean, who doesn't like Chinese? Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, he's uh, I feel kind of bad for him. He's not the villain that we are looking for. I agree. <laughs> right. Right. All right. So we see Molly go out to Nashville, Tennessee, and then uh, she Wyatt Nashville, yeah. <laughs> Wyatt Nashville, I guess oh, Franklin, Tennessee. And she uh, then uh, eventually runs into on the college campus uh, a uh, uh, roguishly handsome Young man by the name of Ryan, played by Wyatt Nash. Uh, What did we think of Wyatt Nash's uh, star role in this film? I think Wyatt Nash uh, is a perfectly competent, above-average actor. Would you agree? Yeah, I thought he was fine. You know, know, not coming on here to rag on Wyatt Nash and his acting. I think he does a really good job here. Uh, This is actually one of two Hallmark movies in which uh, Wyatt Nash is the lead. He's in another uh, made-for-TV movie, which is called Like Cats and Dogs. Have you seen this film? No. I uh, Hallmark does make films throughout the year. Uh, I do not uh, subscribe to many of those unless they're Christmas-related. So yeah. I, I have not seen Like Cats and Dogs. Well, get this. If this is received well, much like Karen Kingsbury, The Bridge, and maybe there could be a part two where we talk about Wyatt Nash's second Hallmark Hall of Fame, or I keep saying Hallmark Hall of Fame. I don't think it's actually Hallmark Hall of Fame, correct? This may have been a Hallmark Hall of Fame film, so I don't think you're off. I doubt that Like Cats and Dogs was. Yes. uh, But uh, this, I believe, was, actually. Based on the title, Ryan, can you guess the plot of Wyatt Nash's second Hallmark film? Wyatt Nash is a uh, veterinarian, and uh, he 
the, uh, the shelter is at risk of closing. He meets a woman who hates pets, uh, but uh, through their kinship that they develop after bumping into one another one day at a coffee shop, they fall in love and ultimately save the pet store. No. No, that's that not was a good, that was a good, like that that was a good pitch. That was a good pitch. That could be uh, easily another Hallmark film. Uh, so apparently there is like an Airbnb where a, a reservation goes awry when two renters, one with a dog and one with a cat, must share a house. Mm, so the, the, Air, the Airbnb owner has accidentally booked Wyatt Nash with a cat and this other woman who has a dog at the same time. Mm, gotcha. Okay. I, I, I'm down for that. Hey, what do we think of the name Wyatt Nash? Is it uh, better or worse than Matt Elrod? I think it's better. Sure. Uh, it's also, do you think there's any wrestling connection there? He, Bray Wyatt, current WWE star, Kevin Nash, former WWE. You think Matt Elrod's a big wrestling fan? Definitely not. There? Definitely okay. not. <laughs> do not think that Wyatt Nash cares for the wrestling. Uh, this movie originally aired April 15, 2017. Really? Yeah. Like oh, cats and that. dogs. Oh, cats and dogs. Okay, gotcha. I thought th- I, th- I was going to say the bridge. I thought it was 2016. Well, yeah, yeah uh, you know, let's see uh, how this goes. And I'm down for cats and dogs. Yeah, sure. Wyatt Nash has not uh, starred in another Hallmark film uh, since then. Uh, that he has appeared in ten episodes of the TV series Dear White People. He also That's a Netflix uh, thing, right? Yeah. Then he also did yeah. six episodes on Glow, and then in uh, recently has appeared on Hawaii Five O. But no, he's other... a working actor at this point. Yeah. I'd say working actor. Yeah. Also was recently okay. married, uh, according to his IMDb. And, and I was checking his grant. I was checking his IG yesterday. The hair is back. The uh, the, the long is hair back. is back. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's my Matt Elrod, you know? Okay, <laughs> all right. So here is Wyatt Nash, and so he plays Ryan Kelly, and Ryan Kelly, that he has a gift for music. He plays the guitar. Now, Ryan Popola, not Ryan Kelly, tell right. me, does the Wyatt Nash actually have any musical ability, or is, is he lip-syncing in this film? So that was actually going to be a question I had for you. I thought you'd have maybe more insight, uh, but I'm going to guess yes. However, uh, if it's a no, it will not be as crushing as the time I found out that Mark Paul Gosseler was not actually singing Friends Forever uh, with the Zack attack. It will not be that big of a blow. Uh, but in this case, I think it's moot because I think um, my guess is going to be that Wyatt Nash is actually a talented enough musician to pull it off and that it was him. I don't recall uh, Matt Elrod or Wyatt Nash having any musical uh, ability. Uh, I did think that this looked like a lip sync to me and, and, and not a particularly great one. Now, maybe is he lip syncing to his own track? A la some of these Macy's Thanksgiving Day parades or Ashley Simpson. The voice sounded like his. Uh, yeah, sorry. It's hard to drop. It sounded like his voice to me. I really think it might be him. Okay. It, it might it might be. I, I don't have a strong take on this, but my my guess was no, but uh, could could very well be wrong. But he is an expert in music, and so he ends up sort of being the study buddy for Molly and her. He's going to tutor her in music appreciation, and uh, he really stinks in 19th century literature. Who doesn't? Uh, but yeah. that, that happens to be a strong suit for Molly. Yes. Um, and they uh, they go to the bridge pretty early on after he saves her from getting struck by an automobile. And, but not uh, an automobile that he was driving, right? No, 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 no. A different pickup truck. Different pickup truck. Because yeah. are there a lot of pickup trucks? Because on my Hallmark movie bingo card, one of the squares is red or green pickup truck. 
Uh, and that was the first box that I was able to check off. Very seldom does the love interest we're supposed to be rooting for in a Hallmark film not drive a pickup truck. It okay. happens. It happens. But it's uh, less than 30% of the time. And everybody at the town hangs out at the bridge because... Seemingly. Yeah. yeah. I'm not sure necessarily about the business model of the bridge. Of... Not sustainable. It's amazing they made it as long as they did, quite frankly. Yeah. Because uh, the bridge is a place where you can go hang out endlessly. You can, yeah. you basically just go there and read. They give you yeah, like, cupcakes. hey, read this book next. Like, yeah. oh, okay. Yeah. And then also, um, you have a lot of interaction and FaceTime with the owners. But unfortunately, that the, uh, the, the main owner, or Donna, is a bit of a grim reaper. Yeah, the Ted McGinley and Faith Ford's characters are absolutely cursed. Like, by part two, it's just like anything that's ever bad that's happened to anyone has happened to them. Uh, and been, except for not aging. Uh, but other than that, like, yeah, it's... Very, very dark stuff when it comes to those two. I would like to actually role play an average conversation between uh, Faith Ford's Donna and any customer. Would you like to be Donna or would you like to be a customer at the bridge? I'll be a customer. Hey, how are you? What what brings you into the bridge? I'm good. I I just started uh, my nursing career. I've had a, you know, my husband, he was in the army and uh, unfortunately, you know, make it. But now no, I'm, you skip the front. step. You skip. You skip the step because it's like it's like, oh, I'm just like uh, I'm just I'm just reading up about this book. And like, oh, yeah, I bet that book is uh, is really nice to share with your husband. Right. It's like, oh, oh yes, actually, yeah. yeah, you touched a nerve there. Uh, yeah, but he's not around anymore. Like, uh, oh, OK. Well, you know, sometimes life doesn't go the way we wanted it to. Yeah, and uh, and then that somehow always leads side character becoming a big fan of the bridge. Mm-hmm. Uh, ten times out of ten. Yeah. Uh, did you have any particular favorite side character? Well, I like Luther. Um, I like Luther quite a bit. Can I ask you one quick question about Luther in the early going? Sure. Um, Luther is an aspiring chef. And, yes. And uh, and he's you know he's coming up with all these concoctions, and uh, you know Luther's like, oh yeah, I made some soul food, and and Donna's like. Well, we can't sell your soul food here, but we can absolutely eat it. Like, why can't they sell Luther's soul food at the bridge? They sell literally every other food product. Well, they do a lot of like coffee and Danish, but I'm not sure necessarily, you know, uh, if a chicken pot pie might be too heavy for the bridge. Fair enough. I don't know. It just seems like uh, we can make it work somehow, some way. But uh, Luther's also my favorite. Yeah. Well, actually, by a country mile. Uh is the only one I think I like, actually. Yeah, the bridge is um, sometimes more library than bookstore. There does not really seem to be like any sort of like big displays of like new releases, new John Grisham novel, or no, 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 no. anything going on here. It's just like a, it's a lot. Of, you just get to you know take books off the shelf and then you read them, and then also and maybe they have a big markup on the coffee, but it seems like they give away a lot of the baked goods. I've not seen anyone buy one cupcake at the bridge. No. Uh, right. And then there's like, I mean, there's a lot of uh, places like you go to the, there's a second floor, obviously, because it's a house. Like at one point, Matt Elrod says, "You, got, I'm going to show you the best part. Uh, Wyatt Nash. And, yeah, actually, apologies. Wyatt Nash says, I got to show you the best part. You're going to love it. And it's just a smaller room with books in it and a flamingo statue. Right. But that's uh, the study room. 
Yeah, and completely vacant, so it was perfect for them because they were actually they. I, Molly and Ryan become quick study buddies. Yeah, uh, for nineteenth century lit as established. So, so right, the fair to the bridge. It does seem like a cozy spot. Yes, very cozy, uh, very nice. It's a dream come true here for uh, for Donna and for Charlie. Uh, Charlie also appears to be uh, like a bit of a profiler. Where he is able to, you know, in one conversation with Molly, he is able to, he knows everything about her. Yeah, he's basically an X-Man. Like, I mean, like, he gets it all off rip, uh, knows, says that she'll be, like, fall in love in the next three months. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like, uh, gets, like, everything right about her childhood. Personally, I would find it unbelievably unnerving if someone did this to me, especially (laughs) after knowing them. Like, if you did that when I met you in 2006, we would not be here right now. Right. He's like, uh, yeah, you're from Seattle. Your your mom is like, what what are you are you spying on me? How do you know how do you know all this stuff about me? Frightening, quite frankly. <laughs> right. All right. So also what's going on here is that Molly is living a bit of a double life because dad doesn't want her like living in the in the the campus with the riffraff. That he's like he's rented out like a mansion for her with a housekeeper. And in so the woods. Yes, yeah. when when Wyatt Nash has to like drop her off, she's like, "Oh, I just need uh, drop me off right here in the middle of the road uh, because I need to get my exercise today." And he's like, "Well, that's that's weird." And he says to her at one point, "Are you a nymph?" Uh, which I thought <laughs> was an uh, inappropriate question to ask her, especially for Hallmark. Yeah, yes. I mean, uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's a double take. Like, oh, oh, I guess he means like a wood dwelling creature. Yeah, a nymph. Um, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's like, it's like, it's, it appears to be like a several mile walk. She's super self-conscious about having him see where she lives. Right. And, and this mansion seems to be located in the middle of the woods, like a real, like a uh, Hansel and Gretel situation too. I wouldn't be surprised if the father like built it, like, you know, just for the, per- like, I don't know if the house existed before Molly decided to land in Franklin. Yeah. Very. Yeah. It's like, you know, we're like a you know, power ranger command center. Type thing. Yeah. For Molly. Um, yeah. so Molly and Ryan are really, you know, falling for each other. And so there's, they do a lot of walking around the town. There happens to be one, basically, that the bridge is to books as Lucky's is to music. That there is one hot rock and roll spot in the town. In all of Tennessee, yeah. Um, yeah, well, uh, Matt Elrod, actually, Wyatt Nash's character is uh, an aspiring musician and teacher and really wants to play at Lucky's by the time he's 28 years old. Yeah. Uh, th- things that would be absolutely implausible for him to get a gig there anytime in the next seven years. Ten years is the <laughs> time limit we're putting on that. Yeah. Like, and you would think that Lucky's, from the sound of it, is basically like, uh, you know, Madison Square Garden. Like, oh, I, could never, I could never get a spot at Lucky's. Uh, yeah. that, this is my 10-year plan. A lot of talk of the 10-year plan in the film. Uh, Too much. Right, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> Right. Uh, I mean, hey, it's 2009. By 2019, I could I, that I could never get to play Lucky's, which is kind of like a, you know a step up from the dive bar. Like a, it's a, I was gonna say, it's a bar. It's a uh, it's, a, it's a local bar. It's a bar. <laughs> That's his his dream, though, but to play Lucky's. Yeah, um, and God bless him. You know, uh, as Ted McGinley would say, God bless him. But yeah, it's uh, that's that's his aspiration, and Molly doesn't know what she wants to do. She is. 
uh, no pun, very much lost in the woods, too far into the forest to see the trees. She's, uh, you know, very conflicted as, I mean, her dad wants her to run Amazon. She doesn't know what yeah. she wants. I mean, it's, we're calling it Amazon in the film is it's called Callen's media. And so it's, it's not technically a one for one, but it's this big conglomerate based out of Seattle fighting against a bookstore. So, you know, that, that that's, we're being a little loose with the interpretation, but Callen's media is the company at, at the age of 25, then she is going to take over as CEO. There is like some sort of a weird structure going on here where I don't know, it's sort of like a bizarre trust that's set up, Ryan, where at the age of 25, she has to marry Preston and then become the CEO and then she gets money. The whole thing, yeah, there's the trust fund. The whole thing's very bizarre, though. Also, her dad appears to be a relatively young man. Like, what's he going to do? Like, is he looking to retire at 50? He clearly is a, a workaholic. Like, the whole, <laughs> yeah. none of it really added up for me. I don't know. Yeah, it, it, it's it's a little bizarre in terms of what's going on there. But we sort of get the, the she is does not really want this life to be no. the head of Callan's media at the age of 25. We also find out that Ryan, he's going to be a teacher. Um, you know, he wants to be a musician, but you know, he, he's practical about this. You know, he can't yeah. just, you know, uh, pin all his hopes on playing lucky sometime in the next 10 years. He's got to have a backup plan, which is getting yes. a teaching degree because that's stable. And that's what his mom did. Uh, and it's, you know, it's, that's how his mom supported him. And he's, he's a practical thinker, uh, Ryan Kelly. So more time at the bridge, uh, more canoodling over the coffee in the strudel at the bridge. Uh, Charlie has a good feeling about uh, these two kids. He says to Donna, uh, give it two months. He's never wrong about love. I mean, track record seems to be accurate. Like, you know, so and and in this case, he actually does wind up being right, except for the fact that I apologize if I'm jumping ahead here. Uh, We meet Kristen a few scenes later who is uh, Ryan's childhood sweetheart. Yeah, that's going to complicate things. Uh, although in terms of the prediction of two months, uh, he does kind of hit the nail on the head in terms of like the, um, the length of the relationship, how long it's going to last before a big time jump. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so in, a way, in a way, he is yeah. right about love. Yeah, yeah, yeah yes. Okay. Um, what do you think of Kristen? Okay, so Kristen, this is kind of complicated. I don't really know if I understand what's going on here. That Kristen is the girl that lived across the street from Wyatt Nash, who was his sort of uh, high school sweetheart, which uh, that checked off another box on my bingo card, high school sweetheart. And You're doing great. So she is, you know, head over heels for Wyatt Nash, and, and who could blame her? But, I feel her. Yeah. Yeah. She is, is not his uh, cup of coffee at the bridge that he, he no. has his eyes set on uh, women who are either more worldly or she's just not doing it for him, but she's still head over heels. And he seems to have concocted this kind of crazy scenario of like, Hey, let's just not talk to each other for a year and see how that goes. Till Christmas. Yeah. Right. I mean, she, she shows up to do quote unquote laundry uh, and I hadn't seen Wyatt Nash that bamboozled since the second vote of Redemption Island. Like, I mean, you can't believe she, <laughs> he, he can't believe she's there. Uh, and uh, and then they and they get lunch. And yeah, it's this weird kind of I mean, in this film, we have an arranged marriage and then also like an arranged breakup mm-hmm. uh, where it's like, you know, uh, they're they're perfectly cool with one another. And it's not even that they're really taking space. I mean, they are, but it's like it's a space with a time limit. 
which kind of seems like it defeats the purpose of taking space if we know when the space is going to end. Uh, but yeah, it's a very, very, very odd setup. Yeah, and she's just so into him that she it would do anything that he asked, that he has this uh, horrible plan of, hey, let's just not talk to each other for several months, and then, uh, and then that'll probably improve our relationship. And to, to all the women that are listening to this podcast, I, I think if a man or, or, or a man who is dating a woman and, and the woman says this, I think this is a good sign that this person is not that into you. Yeah, I would say that's fully accurate. I mean, like even just on a friendship level, like if you ever gave me that ultimatum, I'd say, OK, we had a good run. And, you know, yeah. that, that's, hey, that's that. Let's just not talk for six months and then yeah. this will be good. This will um, be a positive. And, and then we'll reevaluate. Totally work that way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like uh, <laughs> well, I'll, I'll see you at the uh, the Big Brother finale, and we'll see where we go from there. Yeah, right. It's, uh, it's not really how that works. But Kristen, she's willing to go along with this because, like, uh, hey, any chance well, to s- stay with Wyatt Nash, uh, she's going to go for it. And, and I get that. I really do. Right. And so, uh, but then she sort of like calls an audible, and then she's just going to start showing up all the time now. He kind of he kind of poo poos that though. Although real, she suggests something similar to that. Uh, and he proposes it, but then she kind of goes rogue and does it anyway, as we'll find out in a few minutes. And the other thing that you need to know about Kristen here is that she serves as a foil to complicate the relationship between Molly and Ryan. Uh, as much as Molly and Ryan appear to be destined for each other, Ryan, that at the slightest bump in the road, the relationship between Molly and Ryan gets completely sidetracked uh, no less than 12 times in the course of the three-hour film. Oh, these two are leaves in the wind. Yeah, I, I mean, like, it's, uh, it does not take much. It right. It does not take much. Uh, and for decent reason, I mean, the, the Preston and Kristen's of it all play in. Sure. Uh, but, uh, yeah, a, a very, very fragile relationship. Not like ours, my friend. Not like ours. Not like ours. That, you know, Molly and Ryan could have a conversation where something, some, some sound was uttered. Did you say something? I thought, I thought you said something. Oh, you didn't say something? Yeah. Oh, okay. I, we should never see each other again. Like, what? <laughs> they, yeah. they give up on this very quickly. At the first sign of trouble, both of them are willing to pull the ripcord at any moment. Yeah, I mean, the cliffhanger of part one to part two, which we'll get to, obviously, is, I mean, they don't even really try, quite frankly. Uh, so it's, uh, they needed the seven years uh, of a break, I think, to get themselves together to really be in it for the long haul. But yeah, they are, their metal is not the toughest when it comes to the keeping it together in the relationship. Okay. So around the time of uh, Thanksgiving, uh, we start to get where the relationship is going to be tested even more. Yes. Thanksgiving 2009. Yes. uh, Current current timeline. The bridge. uh, Mind if I summarize this quickly and tell me if I miss anything? Sure thing. The bridge at this point, Faith Ford and Ted McGinley have identified that uh, they really need to start changing with the times uh, as a. as Faith Ford puts it, people are buying more downloads, uh, and that's a real problem. So uh, they concoct this plan to uh, save the bridge by having local open mic nights, because uh, that's definitely the trick to competing with Amazon. Uh, so uh, this leads uh, Wyatt Nash to performing, and uh, he's, he's written a bunch of songs for Molly. He's never written any songs for Kristen. However, in the midst of all this, Kristen, uh, as we say in the wrestling business, uh, pulls a run in and shows up 
at uh, Wyatt Nash's home and Molly was going to attend uh, Thanksgiving with them. She does. She's bamboozled. Everyone's bamboozled. And uh, it's just a very chaotic Thanksgiving weekend. It seems like. Very chaotic <laughs> Thanksgiving weekend. Um, you, you mentioned the business plan that Donna cooks up here. Uh, I, I'd like to actually play that clip from the film to let the listeners in on uh, this business plan so they can judge it with their own ears. Uh, this is uh, this comes from a scene. This is right after Molly has a phone conversation with Donna that uh, Molly has flown back to Seattle for uh, Thanksgiving and to be with her family. And then uh, but she misses the bridge so much that she she calls up Donna I guess uh, Thanksgiving night or uh, maybe even Black Friday night uh, to talk. And just because just she misses the bridge so much. Charlie, remember when we talked about finding a way to counter technology and what's coming down the pike? Yeah. I think our two friends may have just showed us what that is. People come here for the camaraderie, right? A book recommendation from a trusted source, right? Yeah, uh, found it. This is perfect for the long plane ride to visit the grandkids. <laughs> Coffee be just their way. Homemade food. Savory gingerbread. Mm. Try it. Mmm. Okay. You make that here, we will absolutely sell it. That is good. <laughs> we offer so much more. Yeah. Something downloads can't give you. A whole experience, reasons to come back. Yeah. Yeah, because the people. Yes. That's why. That's what folks can't get online. Huh? The connections that make being in the store feel like a must. Yeah. So we capitalize on that, right? We bring in local authors to do a reading. Right, authors who bring their friends and family might be new to the place. Or what about an open mic night for poetry? Or, or musicians. Yes. I know tons of artists in Nashville who would love to try out their new stuff. We meant met you. you. Think Ooh. about it. Huh? Bookstore <laughs> unplugged. Acoustic. <laughs> that is brilliant. I need I a pen and paper. <laughs> that would help, right? I, sorry. I need a pen and paper to write down that we're going to do open mic nights. I might forget. <laughs> we might forget. Uh, <laughs> I mean, could the bridge be some sort of like a country club where you pay like forty nine ninety nine a month to be like a member of the bridge, and then you can hang out there, read whatever you want, drink as much coffee, bottomless yeah, coffee, the top bookstore, yeah, it's good. savory yeah. gingerbread as far as the eye can see. Uh, she'll sell savory gingerbread, but not soul food. I'm still a little peeved about that. Um, <laughs> now, yeah, I- hold on, my bingo card has gingerbread baking contest. Uh, does this no, count? Doesn't count. Doesn't count. That's a different. That's a different thing. Uh, yeah, that's that's our first miss. Okay. Um, what about adorable but, local bakery? I feel like I got a half check mark for that. Uh, uh, you know, let's give it the full point. At, at points, they're more bakery than bookstore. They don't sell books. I, they sell more baked goods than books. If we're being honest. Okay. All right. So this is what's gonna help out the bridge. We're gonna do a, a, a huge thing uh, for the bridge uh, uh, right before the holidays. It's gonna have a big thing. Uh, Wyatt Nash is going to play music and everybody's going to be there. Yeah. I, they, again, I don't even know if they're charging anyone a dime to get in, but apparently this is going to change everything. No, but it's that um, the Matt Elrod will bring the people in uh, much like he did at the redemption Island <laughs> arena and he will pack the house. And then people then will see probably all of these impulse items like, Oh, so you have savory gingerbread here. I didn't know that. Let me, I'll, I'll take 12 pounds. 
It was interesting when Ted McGinley introduced him at the open mic night right before Matt Elrod came on. He was like, this is it. One shot. And like, you know, and then, and then they proceeded. They began the, the song. Mm-hmm. But, um, but yeah, it's I mean, listen, I the open mic night makes everyone in Franklin very happy. Again, I just ask you, I don't know how it's combating Amazon. I, I don't get well, it. This slightest. is only 2009, so the Amazon foothold is is not as omnipresent as it will be by 2016 timeline. Fair enough. At this point, grassroots is a conceivable enough idea to hold on to that. Like that's that, as long as we keep our constituents that we have, everything's going to be fine. That's fair. That's fair. yeah. One of the other big themes of the movie are sort of uh, you know going after your dream. Uh, too yes. many people in the characters are sort of uh, doing what other people want of them, giving up on a dream, not following a dream. Uh, Karen Kingsbury seems to have uh, very strong feelings about this, that you need to always be following uh, your dream and uh, not be following anybody else's plan for you. Yeah, it's uh, a big theme throughout uh, even at points, it probably gets a little obnoxious with uh, Ted McGinley and Faith Ford. Because I don't know if we've touched on this. They really, really think highly of the bridge. Would you oh, agree yeah. with this? Yeah. Uh, I, mean, I mean, I don't know if one scene goes by where there's not a victory lap for how great the bridge is. <laughs> a lot the of patting themselves the on the back in terms yeah. of their idea for the bookstore where people can just hang out all day and not buy anything. So it, yeah. it, it's not profitable, but... It really does, you know, this, this idea of some sort There's of a, a, a yeah. library without the red tape, plus coffee, <laughs> plus gingerbread and live music. They're, they're really excited. I thought that they lived in the bridge also. But no, no, no. Separate yeah. locale. By, yeah, separate by, locale. By the second, mo- the second part uh, clearly establishes that uh, they have a home which is entirely different than the bridge. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and I only I only bring that up one because it does. It is just obnoxious. But two, within all of those victory lap conversations, I mean, it is firmly their dream. They live for nothing else other than the bridge um, yes. and each other. They're, they're happily married. Yes. To the point where Donna describes the bridge as almost like being her religion, where there, there's a little bit of like a push pull where Charlie is trying to get Donna to come to church at various points in the movie. And I was actually surprised by the end of the third hour of watching this, that we don't end up with Donna attending church with Charlie that, uh, but the bridge is Donna's church. Yeah. I mean, she, like you said, she all but says that uh, somewhere in the second hour. So yeah, yeah, it's uh, yeah. I mean, they love the bridge. Yeah. Uh, They love it. Yeah. I I think it's actually towards the end of the, the, the first film uh, or the first part where she has like a revelation. She's like, I've got it. Like, uh, you know, you're always saying that I, that I don't have faith, but I do, but I do have faith. And he's like, does this mean you're you're coming to church with me? Like, no, no, not at all. (laughs) This this is it. This is it. Um, What is it? It's okay. If you don't remember, is it when they hatch the idea for the open mic night where, uh, they're all excited, and then they just uh, Ted McGinley just grabs Faith Ford in the middle of the bookstore, and they passionately kiss. And everyone yeah, says, ah. I, I think it's I think it's right at the end of this monologue where uh, we're talking about her her big idea. Uh, if if I recall, and I've watched this scene twice, I think that that, that we go right from talking about Matt Elrod's open mic to uh, probably the uh, biggest kiss of the entire film, where he walks across the room, takes her. And, and, and yeah. yeah, right there. I wish people could see Matt Elrod just looks so happy that they're making out in that scene. Uh, he's like so stoked. Yeah. 
Have you and Nicole ever done that in public? And if so, did you get a standing ovation? No, no. And the the kiss that they do is sort of like it, it's a full on dip into a, a a kiss, like sort of like uh, maybe how you would end like a Dancing with the Stars routine. Uh, yeah. That that is what they do, and uh, big. Big round of applause for uh, give it up for Donna and Charlie who've just uh, reinvented the wheel. <laughs> yeah, uh, but literally everyone stops. Even the old cranky guy, I think, gives them a, a bit of an applause. Uh, it's it's a moment, and that leads us right into Matt Elrod's uh, blissful falsetto. Yes, so uh, Matt Elrod is going to play uh, his uh, big musical number. There's a lot of talk about him writing the song for Molly. Uh, do you, do you want to hear a couple seconds of, uh, Wyatt Nash here, uh, performing at the bridge? You never have to convince me on such things. Just okay. please. Here we go. This is, uh, take it away. Wyatt Nash here performing live at the bridge, uh, Christmas, uh, 2009. Ooh, Okay, one one day I'll tell my grandson. Uh, everybody loves it. Dogs love it. Everybody, everybody, everybody's into it. And I still think that might be him. By the way, uh, we'll have to find out. I think there's a decent chance that's him. Although I feel like if it was him, he would have a Spotify account and the like. Like if he was recording tunes, why wouldn't they exist? So maybe the more I think about this, it's maybe not him. But it does sound enough like him where I could believe it's him. Okay, well, this is, I think maybe might be like two days before Christmas. Uh, it's a it's a big hit. Uh, we'll find out later that there were like uh, music executives there. You know, the bridge uh, has uh, uh, you know talk to your clientele at the bridge. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of a lot of VIPs hang out at the bridge. Uh, and so the timeline of all the Christmas stuff is all and the holidays is especially wonky in this film because it seems like that. Uh, so uh, Ryan and Molly are going to spend Christmas Eve together. Christmas Eve Eve. It's December 23rd. Okay. So they're going to spend the day together and they're making cookies. And, and uh, it's, at one point, Wyatt Nash is filming a video and uh, they're talking about like sort of like their 10 year plan and what they want to do with their lives. And uh, in the, what are they ta- describing in the video? Uh, Wyatt Nash very much says in 10 years, you're still going to be in my life. And I just really want to play yeah. at Lucky's. Uh, and Molly, like we said a little earlier, has no freaking clue what she wants to do with her yeah. life. All so, she knows is she does not want to run the, the media company. Yeah. And she says as much in the video, and it's kind of like this moment of euphoria and clarity where it's like, she's possibly never even said that internally to herself, but because of her connection with Ryan, she realized she has this like one very vivid uh, clear prophecy that she does not want to run her father's car. But they put this on tape, and this is, I guess, a gift that he gave her. Of like, uh, he filmed, or he filmed her saying this, and like, here's the video of this, which not a very exciting uh, gift to get. <laughs> He's but... very insistent she watches it too. Yeah, like, gotta watch you know, this video. Yeah, and it's like, and I mean, he does also, in kind of a bit of a pompous move, puts his track as the score underneath it, <laughs> like you know. It's like, you know, like when I give you a video of, of our friendship one day, I'm not going to put my rap tunes underneath. Like that just that just seems a bit much. OK, but things take a really dark turn here because, uh, you know, things are going so well for Ryan and Molly. But uh, Ryan gets a phone call and and it's dad. Uh, there's one point where he texts 
Molly went over Thanksgiving, and uh, Dad is becomes aware of Ryan, her study partner. She's she's doesn't disclose everything about uh, uh, Wyatt Nash that you know this guy that she's met in Tennessee. So Dad ends up putting in a call to Ryan, and hey, this is Dad. Leave my daughter alone, okay? Yeah, that would be bad enough. However, right before that call, Molly called. The boob, Preston, and she at points says, Preston, I love you. But it's all this stuff in the context of like, Preston, I love you as a friend. Like letting him down. But, yeah. And there's a similar yeah. scene where we see sort of MOS where Wyatt Nash is uh, seemingly letting down Kristen easy. Like, hey, this isn't yeah. working out. And so she calls Preston and does sort of the same, like, uh, you know, I love you as a friend, but uh, I'll see you I'll when see we you get in back. A week. I'll see you when we get exactly. back. Exactly. Okay. And, and then, and really, like, again, the, the dad goes from, for the first three, four minutes of the film, just kind of being a bit of a jerk. But, you know, we can well, rationalize as he really dad. To, like, here, at this point, he's Lex Luthor with Mania, like, you know. Oh, yeah. He, he records all of his phone calls, which, first of all, sounds illegal. Um, <laughs> I don't but, know. Like, <laughs> well, <laughs> Washington State could be, like, a one-party consent state. We have to do the, do the research. Fair enough. I mean, but like, I know you're recording this call. It's like, I just like you call Mr. Callens and like, like you, you could be like the UPS guy and all of a sudden like you're on, I don't know. It seems very fishy to me. Um, but Molly Preston, the conversation with Preston was from her father's office phone. So somehow the dad catches wind of this and manipulates the call, takes the time he to open up his avid and edits the call down and then somehow gets Ryan's number and the whole thing is crazy. He must have written it down when he was looking at the text messages. But so that she says to press, and it took me until my second viewing to to catch this. But in the that he plays a recording for Ryan of that she says, uh, "Preston, I love you." But he cut out where she said, "I love you" as a friend. As a friend. He cut and that also, out of the tape. Keep in mind, this is all happening on Christmas Eve. This is what this guy is doing. The turnaround on was Eve. spectacular. He's opening up Sony Vegas and like editing this phone call down. And it's it's almost impressive. Uh, yeah. But also, if, not to jump ahead too, too much. The fact that she ever forgives her father for this is amazing. Like, yeah. If my dad ever did this to me, like that, like that would be it. Like, you know, it's like I, I it's the whole thing is absolutely mind boggling. So now. Ryan is, you know, is very cold to Molly. They, they really, they spin this later on, spoiler alert, that Ryan is, is doing what's best for Molly, uh, that he is uh, not just, like, following the wishes of Dad, but he knows that like, it's been made clear to him that her life is in Seattle and that she's really in love with the other guy, and so he's just not going to put up a fight. That it, it's basically he's resigned himself, and he and he's going to try to like make up a story that oh, oh yeah, me and Kristen got back together, which is especially hurtful because I we might have skipped over this on Christmas Eve Eve twelve twenty three. They Molly and Ryan kiss, and it's like oh man, we're they're they're in like at this point like you know uh, will they won't they they did. Uh, and then on the next uh, that night, Ryan finds out that she's with Preston, although that's inaccurate. So he somehow flips that into that. He tells her that that night, December 23rd, that he also told Kristen he loved her. So they both irreparably for seven years hurt one another. But Rob, can I just tell you something? If Mr. Callens ever, if this ever happens 
between you and I and somebody like if a private phone call I ever have is manipulated against me and it makes you upset, just please tell me it happened so I can clarify it for you that that mm-hmm. wasn't the case. Because it's like he he does all he makes up all these exorbitant lies, but he never brings up Preston or anything, which is just so dumb. Like it, it, this would we wouldn't need the second film if he just brought any of this up in the last five minutes of part one. Yeah. So Molly is 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 very hurt about this, and, and she's so hurt about this. She's like, you know what? I'm not even going to school anymore. I'm not even going to get any of my stuff. Forget it. I'm just never going back to Tennessee ever again. Yeah, I That's mean, it. it's at the drop of a dime. Uh, it's, it's, you know, she's there for roughly three months. This happens and that's it. And then the film closes out with, and this happens several times that we might not circle back to it. So I just want to bring it up. They really are meant to be together because two or three times in this film, they call each other at the exact same moment from different ends of the country. Right. Uh, which I've known you for over a decade and I doubt we've done that once, you know, it's so they, these two do it all the time. Yeah. Uh, but uh, but then, the, so their their calls uh, block each other out. So then Ryan calls back, and they talk, and it's snowing. And apparently, Matt Elrod has never seen snow before, so he asks her to describe it. But for him. it literally snowed when they were together yeah. in Tennessee. <laughs> yeah, it's like I mean, at this point, like you would think that he would have a decent amount of like uh, you know icebreakers, no pun, and like conversation starters. It's like, like why does he need to know what the snow looks like? He could just yep. look out his window. I mean, um, th- there was they were together on Christmas Eve Eve, and they were like, "Oh, look, it's snowing." Uh, yeah. And then, and then when they talk on the phone, and she's in Seattle, which I guess is the last time that they talked for seven years, and that then um, they're talking about, it, and he's like, "Hey, what's it? What, is it snowing there?" She's like, "No, it doesn't snow in Seattle." But oh, look, it is snowing. He's like, "What does snowing. it look? What yeah. does it look like?" Yeah, like so you just were together, and it was snowing. <laughs> yeah. and, and she's That's, like, "Wow, snow! It's like it, it's like a blank slate over everything." Uh, yeah. Which you know, the possibility is there. But I did get to satisfy another square on my bingo card, which Ooh. is, oh, "Oh, look, it's suddenly snowing." So yeah, that, was... uh, that, that is a that is a overliable. Um, but yeah, so then the the first film wraps up with. Preston barges in, Matt Elrod hears his voice, so he now, every uh, the maniacal plot for him has been all but very much confirmed now. And yeah, like you said, I think that's, we're supposed to believe the last time they talk in any way, shape, or form for seven years. Now keep in mind, the advent of social media is is on the horizon. Uh, right. But they do not, they do not uh, MySpace one another. Uh, they never exchange a Facebook message, nothing, for seven years. Well, and it, you know, this can kind of be somewhat bought because apparently Wyatt Nash does not believe in social media. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's about to go on the road. Yeah, fictional Wyatt Nash, I should say. I'm sure real-life Matt Elrod has 100,000 followers or so. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but, uh, but, yeah, so uh, this I'm is sure it. Wyatt I, Nash is on social media. I, well, I was looking up his – I was on his IG yesterday. I did not log how many followers he had. Okay. Um, but uh, well, he's living a good life, a lot of black and white pics. Um, so, uh, but yeah, that's it. Now we, we, we go into part two from there. Uh, part one ends on a somber, if not, like you said, blank slate of a note. Yeah. Donna is going to be, she gets a photo album from Edna who we haven't really mentioned, but Edna was one of these people that was a person who was, uh, a regular at the bridge. And then one day Donna engaged her in a conversation, which took a dark turn about how Donna's uh, love of her life had been uh, killed in combat, 
And, uh, of course, you know, uh, Donna knows exactly what buttons to press to ask her about, uh, like, uh, oh, this must be for your husband or whatever, which gets her to ultimately uh, reveal that story. Uh, but Donna, I guess, is going to be pushing her to uh, go switch up careers from medical billing into nursing, which is her passion, of course, going back to the uh, film's theme of making sure that you always follow your dreams uh, because things can change in the blink of an eye. Uh, don't forget yeah. that either. Uh, that's also yeah. disaster looms around the pretty, corner. Yeah. Edna plays a pretty vital role in part two. Yes. Okay. So more, more on Edna to come. But yeah, the, the craziest thing, though, is that the Hallmark Channel does not air Karen Kingsbury's The Bridge as a block. They, they will no. run part one, and they will run part two at like uh, five days later at three o'clock in the morning. And, and, and yeah. the films are seamless where yes. if you, yeah. there, there's a time yeah. jump, but part, part one, if, if you watch this movie in 2015 on the Hallmark Channel, this is a very incomplete story. Very much so. The craziest part, though, like so there's two to echo and build off what you just said. Yeah, I think when originally I told you these were going to be on uh, part two was shown first at like a Sunday at 3 a.m. And then part one was like a Monday at 4 p.m. But even uh, a fun little fact about these, it was originally supposed to be. Uh, that part one aired in whatever, December of 20, whatever it was, 15, 16. And then part two was supposed to be the next year. But then for whatever reason, Hallmark got antsy. So uh, part two, which has much more Christmas overtones than part one, uh, ultimately just aired in like February, uh, two months later. So it was just, just the whole thing was very bizarre. Yeah. So if you watch either of these parts alone i don't know if you have any idea what's going on <laughs> zero like because part two opens on such a dark note uh and with if like, without the, at least the context and the familiarity of part one i don't know why you would stay in because like literally the first 20 minutes of part two are just horribly depressing right and and if you just watch part one i think you walk away from saying like oh well that's a sad story i guess these two people <laughs> never get together <laughs> I guess I guess that that dad's phone call uh, really subverted this relationship. So it's just Barry Soprano's black card at the end of part one. (laughs) Right. Uh, And then if you just come in the middle of part two, it's like, what am am I watching here? Why is Ted McGinley just laying there? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, We'll get that. We'll get that. But you'll say, you know, why? Why is this woman so uh, seemingly unhappy to become the CEO of (laughs) Amazon.com in her 25th birthday uh, in in, uh, 2016? Yeah, actual. Uh, uh, should we dive into part two? Are we there? Yeah, let's dive into part two. And I think that we can uh, pick up the pace here a little bit in uh, part two. I agree. Two. There's, not much, there's not much plot. I yeah. agree. So part two begins with a big time jump. Seven years have gone by now. And uh, we see that uh, despite not having any interest in the family business, uh, Molly has returned to Seattle and has spent the last seven years being a key cog here at Callens Media. And I guess seemingly in a relationship with Preston. And it's never touched upon, but like, I almost feel, again, to your point, I kind of feel bad for Preston here because this is never really addressed. Excuse me. Um, But Molly can't be super invested into this relationship. And that much is made clear. Sure. But like, kind of a crummy move on her part. Yeah. She wasted this guy's time for seven years. Now. I mean, yeah, so that, that's the only, the only negative thing you can say about Molly throughout the duration of the three hours is that, in my opinion, she leads Preston on a little bit. 
Right. Now, do you believe that Molly and Preston have a physical relationship? I mean, Rob, seven years, one would imagine, yeah, right? One would imagine, right. She's Now, she's only ever, she, all she's ever done with Wyatt Nash is just a, uh, a, a fleeting kiss. Yes, yes. Uh, yeah, I don't know what, uh, I don't know if Molly is the Tim Tebow of media. Uh, it's not explored but- in the film. No, uh, I mean, she is like, you know, the the picture of wholesome, in my opinion. But I would imagine that shy of being the Tim Tebow of media, I think they would have to. Like, I mean, it was seven years a long time. I don't know. It's, it's not explored in the film. Anyway, Ryan has returned from being on tour. He was discovered that night that he played at the bridge. And now he's playing like backup guitar on some on the road for. A seven-year tour? Yeah, I mean, it's a bit unclear. I mean, because backup guitar would, like, that doesn't really, I mean, like, he's a part of a band is how I would say that sentence. Like, there's really no such thing as, like, backup guitar. Like, you know, right. like, but, uh, so, like, that wouldn't be a very bad gig. Like, you know, a touring, a seven-year tour sounds pretty promising. But, yeah, it's he's been on the road. I guess for the, for our purposes, cut and dry, he's been on the road. Like, Garth Brooks is on tour, and uh, Ryan is playing the guitar in the background. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So that should be a band. Yeah. yeah. So he's so he's come back home for the first time in a, in a very long time. He now has stubble. He's a man now. Very much so. He's a man, and he he's back. Um, but uh, as much as you know, Ryan's career and Molly's career has uh, been have been going well over these last seven years. Uh, disaster has struck the bridge. Uh, in spades. Yeah. Uh, there was a horrible storm. And the bridge, seemingly the only house in the entire city, uh, was completely wrecked by the storm. Completely right. wrecked. Right. A, 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 big, a big storm came, and uh, it was like uh, water under the bridge, water over the bridge, <laughs> uh, wa- water everywhere. And apparently the, the, uh, the roof on the bridge could not sustain all of this water damage and uh, water everywhere water damage everywhere and uh structural damage and all of the books have been ruined everything i mean the the place is completely desolate uh yeah no stock Disaster. made it uh and ted mcginley's going around telling everybody yeah we're going to reopen in a few weeks and he's seemingly been doing that for the duration of a year meanwhile they are pretty much in dire financial straits and it looks like it's a right so they need a lot of money to fix the house. They need a lot of money to buy the books again because everything has been uh, has been ruined because of all the water damage. The problem here is that none of the local banks in town believe in the bridge business model. It's 2016 now. Local bookstore is uh, is dying a, a slow death that nobody wants to take a chance on putting money into a bookstore. Really unreasonable on the part of the banks. Um, it's, but yeah, I mean, and Ted McGinley seems like he's very proud, does not want to ask anybody for help other than the bank. Uh, yeah. And, and yeah, so it's a, a bit of a double-edged sword because like they, uh, he doesn't want to reach out to the community. At least that's kind of the implication we get. And the banks are just refusing to help. Yet it seems Ryan that the, the bridge was never in any sort of financial, pro, you know, difficulty before this. It seemed like that the, the bridge seemed to be flush with cash up until this moment that the water damage happened and they just can't, uh, you know, pay the money to get the bridge fixed. Yeah. You know where you can get a lot of cheap books is Amazon.com. Yep. <laughs> yep. 
So <laughs> some of these things they should want to think about potentially. Yeah, the insurance isn't going to cover it. None of the banks will loan them any money, and so uh, thing, things are really looking dire for. Uh, for they are the first Charlie. of the year. Yeah. yeah, it's basically time's up because it's already at the start of the second film. Unlike the first film that starts in September, it's already uh, Christmas season at the beginning of the second film. So they have like a couple weeks to figure something out. Now, meanwhile, Ryan has returned uh, to his childhood bedroom where he still has the computer <laughs> that has the video of Molly. And so he is, uh, for some reason, watching that video again. Yeah, and apparently Molly also watches it once a year. She watches it um, once a year. Rob, do you listen to any podcasts we do that uh, have ever done like once a year for old time's sake? Do you do that? No, but I, we haven't gone through like a bad breakup. So maybe if that was the case, then. Uh, would this be the one, the one we're doing right now? Would this be it? If, if we break happens, up, gotta, yeah. All right, I hope that never occurs. Either that, or uh, we'll, uh, I'll, I'll go back and listen to uh, Penn Gillette not getting uh, selected <laughs> as the uh, apprentice. A robbery in the, <laughs> to the highest grade. Right. Um, but uh, yeah, so they, again, they do a frightening amount of things at the same time together from across the country. That, again, echoes that point. Um, yeah, and- there, there may not be soul food at the bridge, but there are soul mates. <laughs> Well done. Uh, and yeah, but so that's happening. And then congruently, concurrently, excuse me, um, uh, with just more Faith Ford and Ted McGinley realizing that they're kind of screwed, that yeah. they're not going to be. Well, Faith Ford uh, realizing that they're kind of screwed. Ted McGinley refuses to believe. It. Right. Uh, he's really in denial. And they, they have a big disagreement. Uh, the, the one time that we see Charlie and Sometimes. Donna at odds in the three hours of the film where Charlie is like, no, well, uh, We'll figure it out. And I was like, what are you, crazy? Like, we have no money. That We have a hole in the roof. We have no books. Like, let's, get, let's give it up. Let's give it up. This was our dream, but we have to give it up now. That's it. Enough. Yep. Uh, and he, <laughs> enough from the cloud. Yeah, he's, but he's just not about it. Uh, and I think we're there. This leads to him uh, driving around the town like Rocky after Drago killed Apollo. Yeah, why? Uh, where, where is he going? I feel like this is not explained, but he's uh, like a lunatic. Uh, yeah, except uh, Rocky does not crash, but sadly, Ted McGinley does. Okay. Do we think that Charlie, was this a suicide attempt? Did he? Did no, he I don't think so. I think he was really just trying to clear his head. He, uh, uh, he is Icy too Rhodes. close. He is that, but he's too close to big guns upstairs. I do not think he would go that route. Okay. Uh, so Charlie is in a car accident and uh, I look for a second, like he may be dead, but uh, we find out that Charlie is only in a level three coma. It's only a level three coma. Yeah. Are there um, higher levels of, of coma? I think it's like burns where level three is the worst burn and worst coma. Mm, yeah, I think. Okay. So uh, level, however, level, level three, three coma. coma. No one ever seen. I mean, like obviously everyone's upset, but, like, at no point during the rest of this second part of the film is anyone, like, ever really concerned that Charlie is going to die or just remain in this coma forever. I'm not sure. They, they don't really – there's no discussion of should we pull the plug on, <laughs> no, no discussion of, you know, does Charlie have a uh, DNR or anything like that. So uh, Charlie is in the coma, and everybody is, you know, uh, very convinced that uh, eventually Charlie is going to pull out of this. But it seems like that there is more concern for – the bridge eventually than uh, than Charlie, or maybe that that Charlie and the bridge are not unlike E.T. and the potted plant and Elliot, where that there is some sort of a synergy where that the health of the bridge, once the bridge is saved, then Charlie can come out of the coma. I mean, that's pretty much how it goes. 
Uh, so you might be onto something. Is that on the bingo card? That's not on the the bingo card. You know, there's. I thought that maybe somebody being in a coma might be uh, on the bingo card. The closest that we get on the bingo card mm-hmm. is fateful fender bender uh, is on the bingo card. Uh, are there a lot of car accidents in no, these films? No, that, no, that's more in reference to like uh, Lacey Chabert is driving her like a car. And Jesse Metcalf is driving his car, and there's a light bumping of the cars, and that's how uh, Lacey Chabert and Jesse Metcalf meet. Like, you know, uh, yeah, not very few. uh, I can't, though, you will only get legitimate Ted McGinley level uh, car accidents in the Hallmark Hall of Fame type films. Uh, And even then, those aren't even a commonplace. Okay. Word of the accident gets back to Molly, who seven years ago, Spent three months in Franklin, Tennessee. Yep. She met a guy. She kissed him one time. Seven years later, she hears about what happened, and uh, she is on the next flight out to Franklin, Tennessee. I feel her. Like, you know a decent about about my love life. I get it completely. Like, you know, I I, I understand that she would still be longing for it. But, yeah, it was a very short period of time. And it's worth noting, she hadn't talked to Elrod in seven years. She hadn't talked to anyone. Wyatt Nash. I apologize. You've done it a few times. Get off my back. Um, but but yeah, it's uh, I feel her and I get it. But it has been it was a total boycott of Franklin. But mm-hmm. this news really pulls her back in. Yeah. Meanwhile, Ryan, who has not yet heard, even though he's in Franklin, he has not yet heard about the uh, the news about Charlie. Um, actually, does does Molly hear about that that the there's been the the bookstore is closed, or she hears about Charlie? She knows about Charlie because when her she makes a beeline to the Dual hospital, calamity she gets going on. And, and yeah, so Ryan, that he he has not yet heard about Charlie, even though he is actually in Franklin, Tennessee, uh, that he is going to actually get a gig at the at Lucky. Believe it or not, the local so bar. Only took seven years. It only took seven years on the road, but he's going to get a gig. I think they're having like an open mic night. They're going to let him play because apparently. Technology has also brought hard times onto Lucky. Lucky. I'm not sure exactly what's going on here. Are there more DJs than people <laughs> playing instruments? I don't get it. But also, uh, to quickly bring us back to 2009 and, and concurrently stay in 2016, he gets a gi- he gets the gig at Lucky's because they are doing amateur night every Tuesday. Well, how the hell? He couldn't be an amateur night in 2010 no. or 2011? Untested. Like, I, it's, I mean, so start I, at the I, bridge, work your way up. He seems really like he was aiming low uh, in 2009. I think it was very feasible for him to get there sooner than he did. But okay. either here or now, the other thing going on here at Lucky's is that they've got a new waitress working at Lucky's, and would you believe it? it's Kristen? Which is kind of sad. It's like, a sad Kristen's- story. Yeah. I mean, again, this not to say there's anything wrong with being a waitress, but in Kristen's case specifically, waitress is very honest work, um, but in Kristen's case specifically, it just kind of seems like her life uh, has not gone the way she expected to. She got married to someone right. other than Ryan, which we would imagine from everything you said earlier, would, it seems like a really big step for Kristen because she was just googly eyes over, <laughs> over Ryan. Yeah. Uh, and so for her to be able to move on to someone else seems like a really big deal. However, the marriage sounds like it lasts two years tops. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it seems like she's very much settled 
and Franklin. It's not by any means uh, denouncing the work that she does, but that it just seems like her life hasn't gone the way she planned. Yeah, she basically put all her eggs in the Wyatt Nash basket. He basically gave her the cold shoulder, used her as a prop to break up with this other girl that he actually really liked. She found some Eddie Fox in uh, another state, went off with him and then did not work out. She moved back home and is now waitressing on open mic nights at a down on its luck local tavern. Yeah. And so just not great if we're just being frank, like Franklin, not great. Um, but yeah, she bumps into Ryan and they reconnect briefly. And I believe it is Kristen who, despite uh, Wyatt Nash having been back for at least a day or two, uh, that's it's from Kristen where he gets the knowledge that he knew that. The bridge was struggling. He did not know that Charlie was on death's door. Right, right. And so, yeah, he's heard about this. And so he is off to go uh, check in with Charlie. Molly is also off to go see Charlie. Uh, did we mention that dad, at, at the end of the first, in the 2009 timeline, that he gives uh, mom, who you know Donna is able to uh, you know bring uh, this story to light, that uh, Molly's mom has passed away, and when I she think was we mentioned younger. it briefly. Yeah. Yes. And so dad, uh, Jeff Bezos, uh, that he gives mom's old ring to Molly, and for some reason, I think that Molly is under the belief, based on the breakup with Ryan. Uh, the, from the original 2009 timeline that, oh, he was going to get back together with 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 Kristen. And so they must be married by now. So she's going to wear the engagement ring on the wedding ring finger or the engagement ring finger and, and try to put off that she even though she is about to be really engaged to Preston, she's going to fake it until she makes it. Right, because apparently also Kristen does not have any social media and Molly has never checked to see if either have any social media accounts to just be able to confirm whether or not they're married or not. Right, so she needs to wear an engagement ring just in case she runs into Ryan, I guess. Yes, and they run into each other almost immediately. Yes, and then the fact that he sees that she's engaged uh, is really, okay, well, I guess there's no way we'll get back together because you're engaged to somebody else. Right, they bump into each other in Ted McGinley's hospital room, and then they have this kind of, not tense, tense wouldn't be the right word, and cold would be a little too strong too, but like, you know, uh, definitely not smooth exchange in the ICU. And I, I kind of feel like Wyatt Nash really thank you next, uh, Molly, Ooh. in the scene. It, like, you know, like, uh, 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 they come back together very quickly, but he's perfectly content to be like, hi, my, Molly Collins, and bye, Molly Collins, two minutes later. Mm -hmm. uh, like, uh, it's, it's uh, fate uh, and faith Ford bring them back together. But uh, off rip, he he missed her just fine. But uh, he was fine to also get the luckies and start warming up for his set. Uh, we'll see Donna really, you know, uh, start to wonder why why hasn't Charlie rallied? Uh, she's starting to think that maybe and she tells Edna that maybe he was so down about what was going on and there's no money for the repairs. Maybe uh, Charlie isn't coming out of the coma because then he knows that it's just, so, it's so bleak out here that there, there's nothing to come back to. Yeah. And also it's probably not worth noting, but just for the prosperity, Edna is Charlie's nurse full circle. Now that he is uh, 
possibly dying. Yeah. Uh, and so, uh, but yes, uh, really more, she's still really more there for just moral support than even medical support. And yeah, faith board uh, breaks it down for her, as you just said. So then further complicating things that uh, Jeff Bezos dad sends uh, his errand boy, Preston, uh, the betrothed uh, of Molly to go and spy on her going on uh, with, with everything that's happening here in Tennessee. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty much the plot. I mean, like, he's still full on Lex Luthor at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and that's the thing, to your point, though, and I, I guess Preston really is a sympathetic character. I don't think Preston really knows he's there to spy. Preston's, like, gearing up to ask uh, Molly to marry him, uh, and he's so excited about everything they're doing at the company. But uh, Mr. Collins is solely bringing Preston there just to make sure that Molly does not fall under the Franklin spell yet again. Now, is this Preston's decision to propose to Molly? Is this like a means to an end to that? He feels like, okay, well, once she gets that Amazon money, when she turns 25, I got to be married to her. I don't think so. I, you've actually showed me more on Preston. This is probably the third time I've ever watched these films. Uh, I like Preston more now because of you oh. uh, than I ever did before. I, yeah. I actually am really, I kind of want a, a Preston spinoff at this juncture. Yeah, he should get together with Kristen. I mean, she's down on her luck. She's looking so for anybody. Yeah, take, uh, take her out of, out of Tennessee, bring her to Seattle, that he'll run the company uh, with her. This is like the best case scenario for both of these characters. Do you want to wrap this thing up a little early and you and I can whip out the final draft and get going on this? Or? Yes. Well, I know you have long wanted to collaborate on a Hallmark film. I'm not sure how they accept the scripts for these films. Yes. No, I'm still working on that. It's probably worth noting. We maybe should have mentioned this up top that legitimately my college senior thesis. I was a creative writing major was a Hallmark type Christmas. Film. I mean, I got an A. I got an A. At this point, though, I mean, aren't they just using machine learning that they've watched basically all of these films since October 12th? And now just like some IBM Watson computer just spits out the scripts for these. I think they are very all variations. Yeah, I kind of think so. However, my script Heist for the Holidays is readily available for Hallmark, Lifetime, ABC Family, anybody who wants it. What's yours called? Uh, Heist for the Holidays? uh, Heist for the Holidays. Yes. Okay, so it's about like a burglary. Uh, yeah, uh, uh, a thief, art, a heist artist with a heart of gold wants to uh, rob the most expensive estate in all of New York State. But complications arise when the family's daughter uh, comes back to town for the holidays and they uh, unintentionally fall in love. Hmm. OK, that sounds good. Yeah. Can we do anything around Santa Claus having a podcast? Ooh, I like that quite a bit. I don't know if I have uh, an elevator pitch for you right now, but yes, we'll talk offline, my friend. Yeah. Uh, the, you know, the elves are guests. Maybe there's some sort of like a, uh, it's like a, uh, like a dear Virginia type, uh, thing going on there. So, um, okay, we'll, 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 wow. we'll work on it. We'll workshop that. Okay. Uh, Santa's workshop. Santa's workshop. Yeah. <laughs> <Okay>. You rascal. <laughs> yeah. All right. So this is where we start to get into uh, a lot of talk about Molly and Ryan. They've had their differences, but could they collaborate together to save the bridge? What could, that okay so the bridge means so much to so many people but they have no money and no prospects it's 2016 what can we do to save the bridge you got any ideas they have a big powwow uh they uh they bring in uh it's ryan and molly but they bring in uh luther they bring in edna all of the even more side characters that we don't even really know yeah it's 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 kind of like like an avengers meeting um Mm -hmm. and uh 
they just start all talking about how they love the bridge and uh uh it's kind of it's kind of uh luther who really uh stumbles upon the gold first where he says quote yeah it's the story of a singular bookstore and a beloved owner in trouble everyone can relate to that mm-hmm. can can everyone relate to that my friend i mean like is is that something in that this everyone town, can relate to in this town everybody can relate to that uh, and then Elrod uh, trips in. Uh, yeah, everyone has a favorite book or bookstore, and that's what that's that leads the idea to uh, Molly leads to. Oh, a website might be a good idea. Yeah. And, oh, Facebook might be a good idea. Yeah, that conversation is what brings us home. Yeah, it's kind of a convoluted idea where apparently the bridge. Uh, maybe they have a website, but they don't have any social media presence. And uh, Wyatt Nash even like uh, chuckles to himself, like, "Hey, could you imagine Charlie on Facebook? Uh, that'd be yeah, pretty funny." Yeah. Why? <laughs> why? What's so fun? Well, what would be so humorous about that? And also, that's a bit of a hypocritical statement by Wyatt Nash, because, like, literally, legitimately, three minutes later, he reveals that he is not on Facebook. <laughs> right. So how would he even know what, what, what fun would be in that situation? He doesn't know what it looks like. Himself. Yeah, so, so they're going to have, like, a two-pronged attack here where they're going to have all go to local businesses and say, hey, what does the bridge mean to you? But then they're also going to have a website where then they could sort of have this uh, de facto Kickstarter. They make, like, the worst website in history uh allegedly you know molly is like this big executive at callens media but they put a website up which is basically it's like a picture of donna and charlie with a kickstarter and so they're 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 collecting money online and then people are also i guess sharing their stories about the bridge and then also local businesses are sending things in also People are uh, bringing a lot of they, they need to restock the books. So people are also like giving book, donating books to the bridge. Yeah, I at one point before the creation of the website, it is confirmed that they did have a website. But Molly says something I'm paraphrasing. It's it super, super antiquated. However, the website that she makes legitimately looks like it's straight out of 1998. Yes. Um, your original blog site uh, yes. with like with the download links to the podcast Way that better. wouldn't work. Yeah, well, it looked a hundred times better than this site. But by the way, which was created by the uh, surging soon-to-be CEO of Amazon. Right, right. And it takes them like all, they have to pull like an all-nighter. And so I don't even know where they are. They're like in like some hotel lobby. And it's like, oh my God, I can't believe it's three o'clock in the morning. Like, hey. We might you... not get back to this. Yeah. It's, they make <laughs> breakfast at one point. Well, they like break into like the hotel <laughs> kitchen. The kitchen. Like, what's going on like, here? It's like ratatouille these, all of a sudden. These people are criminals. Yeah. Like, I don't, I'm not comfortable with any of it. Wyatt Nash makes a killer omelet, and so they have a, a such a, a nice moment together. And uh, again, snow is falling again. Snow in in this film represents a, a new start, a clean slate. Yep, 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 yep. If uh, making an omelet was the final challenge on redemption, uh, Wyatt Nash would be a millionaire. He got it. He has it. And yeah. Charlie is uh, starting to uh, come off of the uh, ventilator. Although uh, Molly ends up finding out this information, she's on her phone, the phone with Dad. And he's like, what's going on there? Why are you back in Tennessee? I thought I told you never go back to this place. And then there's a knock on the door and it's Ryan like, hey, great news. Charlie is on the is is coming off of the uh, ventilator. And like dad's like, who is that? Is that that guy, Ryan, again? Spot on impression by you, by the way. Yeah, Um, my wife is going to kick in the door here. Are Are you talking to that guy, Ryan, again? Yeah, I thought I told you never to talk to him again. <laughs> well, she did get mad at me that one time you were on the phone with me at the airport, but we don't talk about that. Yeah. Um, 
<laughs> but um, uh, yeah, I mean, that's pretty much exactly how it goes. And like at this point, has and I apologize if I'm jumping ahead. Has Preston proposed yet? At this point, did we gloss over that, or is that coming? <laughs> I'm not sure. It, it's all coming together uh, pretty fast and loose here in uh, the third hour of the bridge. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Preston proposes, and honestly, it's really inconsequential. And also, it's arguably uh, the it's even worse than that proposal that happened at the Redemption Island uh, reunion special. Like, oh yeah, Preston, Preston, like at least the lawyer Shades of David Murphy here from Preston. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like uh, Preston, like just was like got off the treadmill uh, and is like walk. They're like walking outside in the snow. He's in his sweats, uh, no ring. Uh, and just like off the cuff, Preston, who uh, we learned for the last two and a half hours is this pragmatic thinker, uh, like, you know, just for the one time, he's, like, he's off his game. Yeah, it's just a horrible decision. And Molly finally definitively turns him down for good. Right. Uh, the whole film is about following your dream, uh, except in the case of uh, Preston and Kristen, where uh, their dreams do not matter, uh, that they do <laughs> the not get to live bad. out their <laughs> dreams at all. Uh, and they are rejected uh, firmly, um, Matumbo style. And <laughs> she, uh, Molly wants nothing to do with Preston and does not let him down easy at all. Not even like, I love you as a friend. Uh, she's just, no, he gets that in the first film. Preston at least will get some form of closure as a character. Whereas Kristen, like why couldn't Kristen have been one of the townspeople rallying for Charlie? Like Kristen is in like two scenes in this film and then that's just it. Like yeah. Ryan doesn't care about her, so we don't care about her. She's never seen again. Well, I think if they made Kristen also a figure that like hung out at the bridge, I think that that would make her more sympathetic, and I think that you would like her more. Uh, she seems to be anti-book, Kristen. She's I illiterate, think. I yeah. believe. Yeah, uh, so I, maybe not illiterate, but she does not seem to have any interest in the bridge or reading or music. Uh, you know, she's just only interested in Wyatt Nash. Yes. Um, but yeah, she totally, uh, Preston doesn't get closure, closure, but at least there's like a button on his story, sort of, whereas Kristen just manages. Ultimately money is coming in. They got $19,000. Also like a record executive who seemed with a bizarre haircut and he used to hang out at the bridge and he's going to donate $5,000 eventually that he is going to sign Wyatt Nash. But this guy had a really weird look, right? A very weird look, but even stranger than like a young Baldwin, Stephen Baldwin. <laughs> which is, typically, there's nothing wrong with looking at a young Stephen Baldwin, but in this case, it was that. But even stranger was uh, they probably share about I don't know four minutes of screen time together, Ryan Kelly and music exec guy. And then at one point in the ICU, they're walking to the elevator, and like Molly just gave it like gave uh, the hard pitch to the music exec guy for Ryan. And then like a scene after that. All of a sudden, the light bulb goes off, and the music exec guy goes, "Oh, I didn't realize you were that Ryan Kelly." Oh, which Ryan Kelly did you think from Franklin that this guy was? Like, <laughs> Maybe there's multiple. Like, I like. I mean, uh, and also, it's like even like, what does that mean? I didn't realize you were that Ryan Kelly. Like, this guy is. How would he? Even if that's the Ryan Kelly he's thinking of, well, how would he know who Ryan Kelly is? It's like uh, he would not know who Garth Brooks' third guitarist was. Still, whole thing's just very bizarre. Uh, yeah, I guess outside of the bridge, I don't know how many uh, people have sort of made good from this small town. There probably was one article about Wyatt Nash in the Franklin Gazette. Um, Mm -hmm. but like, you know, would this guy really be logging? I don't know. So it's just the whole thing's bizarre, but it does reap, uh, rewards for the bridge and for Wyatt Nash. So I, I mean, I'm not mad at any of this, but I just find it to be a bit of a reach. So 
I guess news of the Preston proposal has uh, gotten back to Seattle because now uh, evil Dean Kane, dad, Jeff Bezos is going to show up and he's pissed. Uh, yeah, he's, he's like, what are you thinking? What are you what are you doing with your life? She's like, you know what, dad? Uh, I can't even with you right now. OK, pretty much what she says. Yep. Um, yeah. He found out uh, Preston tattled and that's Preston's last deed in the film. And I don't even think Preston meant to tattle. Um, but. Yeah, he is now in Franklin, and they have, uh, I think they have their big uh, blowout right away where it's finally revealed that he just literally sabotaged her life seven years ago. Mm-hmm, yeah, and the, everything is coming out here, and uh, Dad is uh, really uh, exposed right now. Yeah, I mean, and ultimately, Molly gets the better of the argument, and Dad is, like, pretty distraught, although still clearly does not want her in Franklin uh, and Molly all but threatens to quit. Yeah. Like, you know, uh, and uh, she tries to make a power play for her inheritance, but some type of legal mumbo jumbo where she couldn't get her inheritance. And I don't really think that's how inheritance works, but that's neither here nor there. It's right. ultimately not really important. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, but because of that, since she can't get her hands on the money, she's just like, well, listen, I'm piecing out, bro. Uh, and uh, they ultimately resolve their issues seemingly eight hours later. Uh, but, uh, yeah, for, uh, for a bit in time, it's very tense. Yeah. Because throughout this whole third hour, I'm like, well, if she is going to be the CEO of this company, why can't she just buy the bridge? And, and I mean, it seems like that money is no object here at Callan's media. Why can't they just bail out the bridge? But uh, yeah. I guess yeah. because if she doesn't become the CEO, then she doesn't have that money. But it does not seem like that it is an inordinate amount of money that it would take no. to save the bridge at this point. It seems like that this would be a drop in the bucket for Callan's Media. 100%. But even that Callan's Media, just Molly herself, even though right. it wouldn't be the CEO money or the inheritance, she's been a top executive at Callan's Media, seemingly at the very least for the last five years. But uh, three years, but at the most for the last seven years. So she's got she's got the eight thousand dollars it would take to fix the roof and buy two dollar books off Amazon. Like, uh, right. it's, it's feasible. Right. Uh, so she ends up working it out with dad. She's not going to be the CEO. She's going to start Callan's Foundation. And so, it all, you know, all all's well with uh, with dad. Um, off too easy. Do you agree? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess that, you know, she doesn't want to make a real enemy out of dad because, uh, you know, she kind of knows where her bread is buttered still. I guess. But, like, by the end of the film, she finds out, because, like, when they hash it out, it's she doesn't know that he did the whole doctrine of the tape. But by the end of the film, she does find that out. And she, like, seemingly could care not. Like, she well, basically brushes it off. I like, think it's a much harder life for Molly to not be on that Callan's media teat. Uh, moving forward. So I, I, I think that she's like, uh, well, you know, uh, I don't want to go out and get a real job. So I'd rather sort of just be still jet setting and uh, being like, uh, you know, doing charitable works. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, I, I would struggle with it more than she did, but I've never been primed to become, I've never she doesn't been primed hold to be Amazon. No, she, she's a good girl. I mean, I'm a Molly Callens guy. What can I say? Yeah. And so what she's ultimately going to do is she's going to take mom's engagement ring, I guess, and then just pawn it somewhere and then get enough money to put the down payment on buying out the bridge from the landlord. And, and you know, 
the the landlord at the bridge is sort of an under the radar villain in the film because uh, throughout the the first two hours of the film he's shown as like a really nice guy and he's a widow and he sort of like, hangs out at the bridge constantly but then he really plays hardball uh, with uh, Charlie and Donna especially once Charlie hits the coma he's like hey look there's nothing I can do here okay it's uh it is a, a zero to forty type situation and again though to backtrack does she really have to pawn off the ring there had to be other income flowing in for Molly. Right. You would think that the heir to the Callens media fortune uh, would not need to uh, sell a, a family heirloom, but maybe, you know, dad is able to uh, buy it back after the fact uh, somehow. But yeah, it did seem like the one reminder that Molly has of her mom did not need to be pawned to save the bridge. Just seems a bit extreme. Yeah. Okay. So we have this moment where there's, there's carolers that are coming through and it's uh, that Charlie is starting to emerge from the coma and Donna is going to get the note that, that, that basically the business is saved. And so as Charlie comes to that, he's greeted by like he's he's woken up from a from a beautiful dream. Now, I, I don't know a lot about people that come out of comas, but I, and this is pretty much how it goes, right? I think so. Yeah, I, I think that's this is pretty much the tried and true coma awakening. Right. Uh, there, there was yeah. there must have been, you know, a team of doctors on set to say, like, OK, well, this is exactly how it would go when you come out of the coma. It's like, oh, am I dreaming? What is all my friends are here? This is amazing. Do you think Ted McGinley got uh, paid the same amount for both films, considering 80 percent of his input on this film? The second one is just laying in bed. I think so. I, 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 I do they pay you less if you're in a coma in a movie? I don't, don't get me wrong. He was a believable coma. Like, you know, I'm not I'm not critiquing his coma, uh, sell, selling the coma. But it just seems like, you know, he's arguably the star of the first film. Like, you know, mm. uh, and it's uh, I mean, not so much here by the you know, by just, you know, sheer nature of the story. I feel like I mean, God, bless, I mean, amen, if he got paid the same amount. But like, that's a pretty sweet gig. <laughs> Did you like that all of the books have been individually gift wrapped? I feel like that that was a lot of heavy lifting for Charlie coming out of the coma to now unwrap each and every book that the townspeople brought him. Yeah. I mean, first of all, it seems like a lot of effort on the townspeople's part, like, you know, but granted most of cause like even cause it's not like everyone in the town just bought one book. So that means that the townspeople, like one guy probably bought 10 books and individual, like I would just put them in a bag personally, me. Right. Uh, right. Or put uh, them in one but, box and wrap the box. But you know what? It might be good. Like cognitive, uh, uh, uh that's part of his physical therapy. Yeah, it seems like, you know, it keeps the mind sharp. It gets the, the blood flowing. I think that was honestly probably an intentional move by the people of Franklin. Okay. So, long story short, too late. Yeah, We're yeah. going to see Molly is just going to, no pun intended, book it out of the hospital. For no reason, for reasons that aren't really made well, clear. Because, like, that's it. My work she, here is done. But the thing is, she wants to live in Franklin. So, where was she going? Like, mm-hmm. you know, it's so, but yeah, she very much, uh, ghost of Christmas yet to comes it and just, uh, you know, books it out of there. Yeah. And then she like, but she had time to like leave a note. I thought it was a parking ticket on, uh, Wyatt Nash's <laughs> car. And she says, uh, she has a line that was from the, the inscription from the book that, that Jane Eyre. Yeah. We didn't talk about that, but she's a big Jane Eyre mark. Big yeah. Jane Eyre stand. And so she, has, you know, leaves the note for him, and somehow he intuits that she is headed to the bridge. Take it to the bridge. Yes. Uh, uh, even 
I, I think it's loosely implied, but even if it's not, that's the one. It's Wyatt Nash's one logical lead as to where she would go if she's not going to the airport. Yes. And so that they talk, they find each other there, and the life that she always wanted was here. And they sort of resolve that, okay, well, because he gets this record deal that he's going to write songs and she's going to run the Callens Media uh, Humanitarian Foundation. Arm. Right. Yeah. And and they're going to do that here in Franklin. Yeah. Um, it's not made clear if Wyatt Nash was signed to a record deal and he will be the front man and releasing an album or if he is a ghostwriter for other artists. It's not important, but it's just it's not made clear for whatever it's worth. Yes. Because uh, all he says is that he's going to write songs. Write songs that are all about Molly, which, you know, yeah. I, I don't know how many songs you could have all about the same person. Although I kind of feel like that that's kind of like what Eminem's first two albums uh, basically were. But I, I don't know how many, you know, love songs you get all about the same woman. Sure. Kim is to Marshall as Molly is to uh, Elrod. Yes. Yeah, I hope, um, you know, but, uh, you know, the tone yeah. is different. Oh, okay. Yeah, very, uh, let's hope so, at least. Um, uh, we don't want part three if that's what the tale is going to be. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and they have... Uh, a kiss still nowhere in the, the classification as the standing O that Phase Ford and Ted McGinley got. Not that type of kiss. Yeah. Um, but then, well, nobody's then, there. Nobody else is there. There's, there right, are that's right. I probably would have gotten a big uh, rousing ovation, but it just wasn't possible given the circumstances they had at their disposal. Okay. Um, and then uh, and then we take it home uh, one last uh, flash sideways uh, when you're later. One more time jump. Of course, th- this opus began in 1997 uh cut to now fully 20 years later 2017 and it's just around christmas again uh seemingly nothing happens uh between the months of january and october in uh this timeline all the action is really very much uh like november december heavy in the karen kingsbury uh cinematic universe but <laughs> the KKU, yeah, yeah the, K, the, K, the greater KKU, where yeah. we're going to see the bookstore. It takes, I guess, a whole year for the bridge to be rebuilt and Makes for no Charlie, uh, who now walks with a cane to yeah, be fully ask, recovered. Like, the, cane, the cane, clearly he's just always going to walk with the cane because like he had a horrific crash and all that. But I think he would have been fully healed a year later. Like, I think he's on the cane. For I'm not a, a physical therapist. I don't know the answer to that question. Can we bring in Nicole quickly? Would she know? <laughs> well, she's she's resting right now, so I don't want okay, I don't want to wake her up for that question. Fair enough. I don't want to upset her. We don't want to upset her, but maybe we'll have some Hallmark experts uh, who are also uh, physicians that might have the answer to that question. That'd be great. Okay. All right. And then we're going to see big opening, uh, which does satisfy my check mark for party where the whole town is invited. So yep. got that <laughs> crossed off. Uh, did not get bingo. Uh, the closest I got was, uh, oh, look, it's suddenly snowing. Party where the whole town is invited. Free space. Character returns to hometown. <laughs> did not needed cookie baking contest. And I don't know if there's anything, even if, if we really nah. lowered our standards. Nah, I don't know if we just... have cookie baking contest for me to get bingo. It's just not a Hallmark Hall of Fame type material. So yeah, yeah it's just it's. Um, but yeah, close. And uh, it, it, the odds weren't really in our favor. Savory gingerbread was there, but no, uh, we did not. Not competitively. Sorry, uh, yeah. Sorry, Luther. Um, 
<laughs> my guy. Uh, and yeah, and then he, uh, Ted McGinley pulls his best out Roker and uh, cuts a ribbon. And uh, and then uh, Ryan and uh, Fake Dean Kane have a quaint, if not still slightly frosty exchange. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, but he was there. He was there yeah. for it. Yeah, so the, I guess dad is begrudgingly approving. And so they have the big party for the reopening of the bridge. And the film ends uh, very mysteriously on Ryan and Molly headed upstairs at the bridge. The best room, the, the room, the study room. The study room. Uh, so we don't know. We don't know. What are they, what are they doing up there? I, you know, because if I, if I ran the bridge, I would probably have a rule. You know, a lot of these bookstores, they say, like, no, you can't take the books into the bathroom. And I would say if I ran the bridge, no couples going upstairs unsupervised. Yeah, I'm fine with that. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's also, it's like the end of the film, like a Christmas tree suddenly covers them as they head to the room. It's like, I don't know, there are some undertones that we're led to ponder as to what's happening in that room. Yeah, so the, the bridge is, not, it's not that kind of place. It's just the grand opening. We don't need it shut down on day one. Family-friendly okay? bookstore, yeah. Um, so, but that's our story. That's how it ends. That's how it ends. Okay, all right. Ryan Popola. Great, great job. What, what did we learn here from the Hallmark, Karen Kingsbury, The Bridge, part one and two, starring Wyatt Nash? Always follow your dreams. Always um, follow your all, dreams. That's right. Unless you're an unimportant side character. Unless you're a side character. Um, and, and you should be able to identify whether you're a side character or not. Yeah, it's just a good life lesson. Uh, and then always, and this especially goes for someone like, you know, I do some music on the side, as you know. And like, for me, the big takeaway was like, and they tell you this anyway, but always go to the local open mic nights because it's very plausible that not one, but two music executives will be there seven years apart. Right. So if you have talent, then you should, you know, take every opportunity to show it because you never know who is watching, who is listening. You may be discovered and your life may be about to change. Don't take the, the safe road because... Uh, although when you're on the road, do remember to be safe. That's an important lesson that we learn also. Uh, because as we also find out, things can tragedy is right around the corner and things can change in the blink of an eye. So live your best life and go for it because you know not what disaster is lurking uh, right around the corner. What flood, what act of God may strike. And so you will have regret if you do not go for it. Yep. I mean, when the fire points one way and God's telling you to go for it or not go for it, you just got to listen. Ryan Popola, great job. I'm so happy we got to catch up and do this for the holidays. This was great, Bobby. I, I had a blast. I hope I hope people enjoy it. And uh, yeah, I mean, this is just uh, who would have ever thought we'd be uh, two hours into a Hallmark movie podcast. They, they said it couldn't be done. Yes. Okay. Now, if people want to uh, follow your work uh, and everything you're doing with the WWE and uh, beyond, uh, how do people follow you? Uh, you can read my stuff uh, at WWE.com. I write the results uh, to SmackDown Live every week, uh, and I do a bunch of other things on the site. Uh, if you want to see me on uh, WWE Now, that's available on all of WWE's major social platforms, uh, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, all the like. Uh, and if you just want to follow me, I'm at Bodie is Ryan. That's B-O-D-I-E is Ryan on pretty much every social media platform of note. And if you want to listen to me rap, including two Christmas rap albums, uh, you can uh, check all of that out at Bodie is Ryan dot bandcamp dot com. 
Great job. Thank you so much for uh, bringing this to our attention. Uh, We'll post the links for everything about the uh, Karen Kingsbury's uh, The Bridge. Anything else you want to say while we're here? Just Merry Christmas. Happy holidays to everybody. And uh, hey, Rob, you're doing a great job. Oh, thank you so much, buddy. Uh, So much fun to uh, go through all of this. Uh, We will have some more holiday-related material coming to uh, Rob as a podcast uh, within the next 10 days. So uh, be on the lookout for that. And hope you guys enjoyed this special presentation of Rob's podcast. Take care, everybody. Have a good one. Bye. Candlelit sweet memories of all the nights that always meant so much to me. We're chasing all our hopes and dreams and baby One day